2: cheers to y'all man we did it half a million downloads huh hey hey cheers big one well <laughs> i got some water here i got some beer in ah, here that's I have, better i have diet coke <laughs> all right <laughs> hitting all
0: the food groups
2: there good job yeah. boys
0: out of paper out of stock There's friendly faces around the block break loose from the chains that are causing you pain Call Michael and Stanley Jim and Dwight Creed Paul Annie and Kelly if business paper needs or done the myth then the people purchase paper people done the myth then the people purchase paper people done the myth then the people purchase
3: paper people Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office I'm your host and overseer of all Northeast sales Sean Roney. And I'm Edwin Jane's co manager. And with us, as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. We all know it's hard to be a
4: boss, right? You know what? <laughs> Look around you. These are your best friends. These are the people who will open their hearts to you.
2: They all have heart ons for oh. you. <laughs> just, just a little, little <laughs> that moan from Phyllis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is it, is it Phil? I thought it was Angela. It's Angela. Yeah. Is it? Oh, okay. Either way.
3: Oh.
0: Either way, the voice of the rest of the staff and the rest of everyone watching.
3: <laughs> Every week we get together and talk about our favorite show, NBC's The Office. This week, the co-manager arc.
0: Yeah, in this piece or this run of The Office, uh, we get to see Jim as co-manager uh, working alongside Michael and the struggles that kind of happened through that. Uh, we have kind of focused on this to give us a little another unique look at the show and to talk about Jim, uh, one of the major characters who, who we haven't done an episode about at this point. Yeah, you we're said, still uh, holding out. And, and Sean, episode.
2: you say we get together every week to talk about it, and last week was the first time we haven't. So our apologies <laughs> for missing a week. But you know what? We hit about a year and a half straight. So yeah, uh, we try. We, yeah, we had to take I, a
0: little break. We try really hard to come back every single Wednesday.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we have a Dwight level attendance record. We do, I think.
2: <laughs> we do, and this was this was us uh, taking the papers to to New York for Angela. Yeah. And this missing.
0: was the equivalent of Jim convincing us that it's Friday. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
2: But we're back, and uh, it feels really good to be back in the saddle here. So we're going to talk about this. We got some couple of voicemails later and some trivia, yeah. I believe. Some
3: listener-provided trivia uh, mm-hmm. to finish us off. So yeah, but let's dive into the co-manager story arc. This is in Season 6, and this arc extend- is actually pretty long. It extends from uh, Episode 2 of Season 6, The Meeting, all the way to manager and salesman season six episode 16 um and during this story arc we have niagara and um uh all these other kind of little episodes we get jim and pam going off on their honeymoon for a bit um but uh so we kind of jump around we're not always really focused on this we get the clip show in here as well the The banker banker. yeah yeah exactly and we get and of course this sort of ends with saber Taking over Dunder Mifflin, and we get Joe Bennett disbanding mm-hmm. the co managers um, and sending Jim back to the sales department.
2: And of course, Niagara, which we had an episode about, but that one right. uh, does take a break from their sort almost, of manager relationship, except for a couple moments. But yeah, for the most near, part, it,
3: it doesn't. Almost doesn't mention it at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. besides maybe the Cold Open.
2: I and the part is- and the part where he's like, "Is there something about being a manager that makes you say stupid things? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have not found that to be
0: the case. <laughs> <laughs> I really love this run of episodes, and granted, it is a lot of season six. Uh, but what we do get is Jim sort of realizing his potential or showing finally showing the ambition that goes with his ability. Hmm. Uh, we see that a little bit at the end of season three, but of course, he turns down that promotion. Um, or the opportunity at least because um, he withdraws from the interview process uh, to ask out Pam and to stay in Scranton. Um, and in this moment, we get to see Jim finally sort of reach out and want to become part of corporate or a branch manager. I mean, he even mentions to Michael, how many times have I asked you to put me up for a branch manager position? Um, mm-hmm. We also get to see Jim and Michael check each other a little bit. Um, And for the most part, like the show is in a very comfortable place. I think coming out of season five that ended with the Michael Scott paper company arc. And then that last few run of episodes, company picnic, cafe, disco, casual Friday, this, this period is pretty stable for the, you know, the first half of the season. And then Sabre comes in, the bankruptcy thing comes in and it shakes everything up again. It's funny that
2: like season five, that the whole arc of, of the Michael Scott paper company and Charles Minor, like it, there's, there's Michael reasserting himself as manager at the end, you know, and he puts his foot up and Charles leaves. And it's just funny, it always happens again in season six, where Michael, again, almost retakes the manager position. And then mm. season seven, he leaves. So, like, these like, last three seasons of, of Michael <laughs> Scott, every time it's
0: about him uh, leaving or acquiring the manager job. Oh, the yeah, show that's... does a really great job of setting up these stable periods and then, like... Mm. Throwing a rock in the water, so to speak, and creating a sp- making a big splash right. uh, or throw like a maybe maybe throwing throwing Michael at a koi pond uh, yeah. to, <laughs> to make a big splash uh, and really driving a things. car
3: into a lake or something. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's <laughs> the equivalent of in the Michael Scott Paper Company arc when Jim is wearing the tux and the new boss shows up. Yeah, it kind of re- it brings us all back down to earth where we're used to expecting this level of silliness. From the office, uh, and, it, and it happens in this arc too when Saber comes in, and all of a sudden there's a new power structure in charge.
3: Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I think that this arc too, there's a <clears throat> there's a slight uh, foreshadowing of this arc in Survivor Man, I think, where you get Jim sort of sort of acting in a manager role, trying to decide, um, you know, how to handle Birthday Month um, while Michael is out of the office, and you know he gets a, everybody's upset about it, and you kind of get this moment between. Jim and Michael at the end of the episode Um, you know Michael sort of being like oh yeah you know it's harder than it looks and you know you'll you'll get the hang of it sort of Um, Jim's always extremely confident and kind of thinks that he knows better and um, I think it's really nice when we get to see him struggle um, and uh, and maybe he doesn't know as much as he he thinks he does
2: yeah we see Jim uh, for most of the show before this is fairly concerned with being likable and neutral within the office that's sort of the 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 mode that he's he stays in and the manager's not really about that i mean michael although he cares a lot desperately about being liked um he certainly does a lot of things as a manager that he knows people won't like and he tries to avoid them at all costs and you know basically uh, burns a lot of bridges along the way which jim doesn't really like doing it all or he's almost he's so much more clever socially than Michael that uh he's like I'm just glad I never have to be in Michael's position because I don't ever want to have to make some of the decisions Michael does and that comes up in this series of like when they finally sort of end up confronting each other and I'm sure we'll get to these episodes these the the meeting and the promotion um I mean, those are the big ones where it's very rocky for the two of them and they do butt heads. And that's what Michael or that's what Jim is saying, essentially, is like, you're not good at making tough decisions. And maybe there's something I can bring to the table. And uh, Michael's like, all right, give it a go. Make a tough decision.
0: (laughs) It does sort of question this idea of how loved or liked Jim is within the office. We have no reason to really think that he isn't liked your love within the office. Um, But when he gets up in front of everyone and has to make these decisions, they kind of spring back at him kind of immediately. Um, The voice of the collective ensemble in response to the decision that Jim makes is so much louder than it would be in season one or season two, right? You think about making a bad decision or a decision that the office staff doesn't like. Think about healthcare, where they all just have to walk out Mm-hmm. Well Michael is drumming on his hands and knees and trying to think of a surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> versus this where they all basically throw it back in Jim's face and they have to go in and and recalibrate recalibrate with beans. Right. <laughs> what does a bean what does a mean? Bean mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, Well, you know, you know, Toby's not involved with this. I just wanted to draw a picture of it. Just want to draw a picture. That is such a. Oh, my God. God. That little tuft of hair he puts on it. That picture is so funny. uh,
3: Let's let's jump right into the meeting. Season six, episode two. Um, This episode sort of begins with, um, you know, uh, David Wallace is in the office, Jim, and he are going to have a meeting. And Michael's trying to figure out what this secret meeting is all about. Um, Pam knows about it Um, she wishes him luck Uh, but uh, but we we find out that Jim is sort of uh, well well, one we find out that Jim has gotten another offer somewhere that's a really small that's kind of a throwaway line in this episode and I want to talk more about that but um, Jim has essentially come up with some plan to uh, you know ever since they absorbed all the all their clients from the Buffalo branch um, after that got closed, after the company picnic. Um, they are going to... Jim would like Michael to become uh, the overseer of all Northeast sales, uh, as David says, and uh, and Jim would become the manager of the office. But because Michael's been kept out of the loop, he sabotages this.
0: Yep. Love inside jokes. <laughs> Have to be a part of one someday. It is amazing to think that this proposal that Jim comes up with has... Michael in the Jan slash Ryan role. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Jim as the as the regional manager.
2: Leading, of course, to the uh one of my favorite scenes in the whole show, Andy preparing the <laughs> cheese platter <laughs> the entire meeting. Something a meme that's been going around on social media recently is people noticing that you can see Michael peering out from between the crack of the tablecloth mm-hmm. during the what, meeting. Wait, really? Yes. I've never noticed that. I have never noticed it either. And I'm re-watching and and preparing for this episode. When you catch it, it's so fleeting, but it's just a (laughs) pair of eyes between the little crack. It's so funny.
3: There's also, as re-watching that episode too earlier today, Like as Andy's rolling the cheese cart through... <laughs> the uh the office like kevin comes up to it and he's like oh yeah and, and he's
0: like and
3: he makes such a funny sound to get stanley
0: stanley says what do we have here Rolling cheese through the office, yeah. they, get so they do a really good job of of, uh, of playing up where if, you, if there's food, it will bring people in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you
3: always assume I have diabetes?
0: I don't know your frame,
2: your build. Why don't you have a glass of apple juice and tell me you're not a diabetic? <laughs>
3: uh, I mean, well, what do you guys think first of all about Jim's plan to not tell Michael what he's thinking and go directly to David, David Wallace with this whole sort of like recalibrating the 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 manager positions
0: it makes sense given that Jim and David Wallace seem to have a good friendship a relationship kind of even outside of their sort of corporate structure going back to cocktails in season three David Mm -hmm. always seems to like Jim um it makes sense that Jim would try this
2: yeah they both got a smooth jump shot they both like talking things over (laughs) yeah uh yeah it's a weird proposal um did, did Jim also propose that, by the way, we're going to need to build me an office in, yeah, in this office? It's well, strange. <laughs> How did that come about?
3: I wonder if it's that, yeah, it's as, if, it's as if the plan is for Michael to go to New York, basically.
2: That's what you'd think. Like, Michael should go to corporate and because, like, it's it, it's just a weird thing. And I, obviously for the show, they're just going to have to, whatever, make it work because it's right. a show and it, none of this is real. But <laughs> At the the same time, like to GM for to negotiate, like, all right, we're going to need two manager salaries at this one office. I mean, it it goes on to a long list of things that a David Wallace in real life would probably never do, you know, much like buying out the Michael Scott paper company, much like agreeing to hire Ryan back after defrauding the company. All these sorts of things that David Wallace lets go. This sort of falls in with that of like, would this really be a good idea? Like, is it especially if. By the by, the end of the season, like they're running out of money. You'd hope the CFO, by that point, by season, by the beginning of season six, would maybe start to see that, oh, we might run out of money here. We can't be affording two managers at one branch anymore. I mean, obviously they closed Buffalo,
3: but still. Yeah, I I've always thought that what was odd about this whole thing is it is from David Wallace's perspective, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What's it hasn't really been expressed to the audience that there's any problem with the way things are working right now. Right. I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, David asks Michael for that rundown about the Buffalo branch and Michael tells him he'll get it to him on Sunday, but hold on. It'll have to put it in the mail and you'll get it on Wednesday, but (laughs) it doesn't really, it hasn't been expressed that things aren't working. Right. So, but I, but I think that, So the only reason that any of this should be important to David Wallace is losing Jim.
0: I think uh, to your point, I think we do kind of get throughout season five, we get this sort of underlying narrative that corporate doesn't really know what they're doing, or at Mm -hmm. least trying to think of what the phrase is that he uses in the deposition. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, <laughs> to talk <right>. about Jan. <laughs> yeah, right. But right. anyway, it's poor decision making on the on, on on the corporate side, which is he sends Holly away. Uh, they right. can't deal with the Michael Scott paper company. Um, mm-hmm. The and it, by the end, in Company Picnic, there's this idea like, yeah, corporate deserves to get their ass kicked in the volleyball game. Mm-hmm. So there is that sort of element um, that kind of is woven in. It's it's pretty subtle, but it's it's there, I think. And then season six kind of continues that. I think to your point about especially with the company going bankrupt. It's certainly uh, like we can question the decision-making of David Wallace, the CFO who said, who puts himself in the day-to-day operations of a branch. Yeah. Oh. Um, the other thing though, too, I think like to your point, the thing that sort of breaks it is that Jim wouldn't have to leave um, or that Jim has not offered to leave. And he ostensibly wants to keep Jim. He sees Jim as a talent, someone who could be a branch manager someday.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but by doing this, he doesn't have to create a headcount, if that makes sense. Like, you mm-hmm. don't have to create another job opportunity in your payroll. You just keep mm-hmm. who you got. So well, yeah. you probably change the structure of Jim's role, but you don't have to create that extra headcount. Right, right. right. Or the but cost anyway, let's... Hiring
2: must be. Yeah, we're getting right. into the... Yeah, yeah we're getting yeah. into the... Yeah. Not white let's, people
0: yeah. come to this show. <laughs>
2: yeah. Let's yeah, talk yeah. about yeah. the hijinks that happen yeah, between yeah. Jim and Michael. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, anyways, um, you know, I guess, you know, after... Michael tries to kind of backtrack during this whole thing. We get, we get David coming up with this idea for co-managers, which again, I guess is just to keep Jim, which by the way, I don't know. If, yeah. Is Jim just bluffing? And um, it doesn't really seem like he wants to leave or even considers that an option. Right.
2: I, I, I mean, p- part of it must be motivating Jim is that, that Pam's pregnant right. and he's about to have a family. And if he's going to stick in this job, he'd probably like to, Keep be moving. making a little more, or definitely be in enjoy- charge. That's obviously a motivating factor for him as well. So it's coming from both sides, you'd, you'd think.
0: Speaking of Jim and Pam, I think well, let's acknowledge that for this run of episodes, Jim and Pam both wear a jacket.
3: Yeah, I was I just gonna say it's season six is, yeah. is the
0: jacket season where Jim and Pam both wear a jacket the whole time. Because even in season seven, uh, Pam moves to I think it's like little like sweaters and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just a different look. Yeah. We could call this episode
2: the jacket arc as well. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, hair, big haircut arc.
0: Yeah. He went from the jacket arc to Jack Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That is amazing.
3: Well, any wow. well, um any, any other, uh, anything else to say about the meeting before we move to the promotion episode three?
0: There's just a lot of funny Michael moments where he sits back you know, where he talks about how he didn't want to lose. He didn't want to lose you. I didn't want to lose Pam. Now I don't want to lose the baby. Um, <laughs> or the improv phone call that he has to have with David Wallace. Mm-hmm. Where he has to call in. Yeah, exactly.
2: The uh, When he confronts Pam about if she's lying to him, the, the look of seriousness on Steve Carell's face when he kneels down, it's like this intense scene. <laughs> yeah,
0: he takes a knee to talk to Have I he ever lied to you? you. <laughs> just, yes. Like, yeah. Yes.
2: I just don't want you to. <laughs> Ever. If Please you don't talk lie, about your baby is going to be a liar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really funny stuff, and just just preying on Michael's insecurities the
3: entire time.
0: Well, you just tell the mayor he lost six votes. Yeah, that, <laughs> as he backs out.
2: Yeah,
3: I I love uh, Michael sitting on Andy's desk trying to watch them in the conference room, and Andy's like, "Ooh, oh, yeah." So- well, oh, my here's the thing: oh, my yeah. numbers are down because of the economy. Ah, yeah, you're good. You're not buying it. Call my bluff.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Andy just setting himself so, on
3: fire. Totally so good. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> well, let's move on. Let's move on to the promotion episode three. Well, now we have this mysterious office that's been built. Right. It just suddenly appears. Mm. Um, And we get uh, and we get Dwight uh, doing the ping pong back and forth um, about day to day versus big picture. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're already seeing uh, Jim and and Michael struggling with this um, this new setup. Mm -hmm. Oh, really
2: quick. Speaking of Dwight, just just the moment where they shake hands in front of Dwight at the end of the meeting
3: and we get the Dwight scream. Uh, That's right. That's a great yell. I do like that Dwight has been distracted during that whole episode. Yes. He and Toby are trying to catch Daryl um, mm-hmm. um, in his uh, in his little uh, work, a birthday workplace injuries. That's, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> good- That's not a good
2: Daryl. That's not a good Daryl. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, but yeah. So uh, so we get uh, Dwight's reaction at the end there. Um, That's good.
2: by the way that was way 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 back uh in our first like 20 episodes we did an episode about comedy night done right like the thursday Mm -hmm. like the nbc lineup oh yeah we played the old promos and one of them is just like yeah it's like why is dwight yelling tune in thursday at nine to find right (laughs) that's right yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) well now we know um now (laughs) we know finally um, this in this episode, I'd say Jim kind of endures his first test as co-manager, his first challenge, and that's deciding who's going to get these limited raises. Um, so David, David Wallace tasks them with this, um, and uh, Jim thinks he knows best. Uh, but and Michael kind of lets him uh, lets him fail. All on right, his Skippy, own. you tell him. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> and th- this episode is wild. I mean, w- when you really look at it, um, it's it's so different from so many episodes. There's a lot of very long scenes where they're re- pretty much discussing a lot of the innards of the office. Um, and it's, it's all to serve this purpose of showing making these managerial decisions. But it's rare that we ever get a look inside of like the types of things a manager actually does. Um, usually we're just seeing the things that Michael's avoiding. But this one, we're not. We're, we're actually getting our hands dirty along with the characters. And um, it puts a split between Michael and Jim and the whole episode is sort of them disagreeing and then eventually sort of galvanizing once the rubber meets the road. It Definitely. reminds
0: me in, um, in Mafia when Michael says to John Grotty, you were seeing how the sausage gets made. Come into my office and I'll show you a fully made sausage. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, to your point, I think what we see in this episode is Jim and Jim and Michael and the juxtaposition of Jim making a decision and sticking with it and trying to write it out, even though it doesn't go very well, versus Michael and his absence of the decision making, which is mm-hmm. so much of what we see from Michael throughout the show, just kind of hoping that things will work out. Um, right, and often they do for Michael, but
2: they do. Uh, well, that's the thing, Jim. You know, Jim pitches this co-manager thing so he could do the day-to-day office stuff. Like he actually mm-hmm. doesn't want Michael involved on a lot of this stuff because as Jim points out throughout this arc, he's like, I think I could just do this on my own. Like, I don't need you, Michael. Like he really wants Michael to be just doing whatever Michael usually does. Mm -hmm. Michael doesn't want that to happen. He feels like he's losing power. And so that this whole episode, they're just sort of going back and forth. Um, but it's, it's kind of an amazing feat of, of writing on this episode because you actually, you really see their value and who they are in these really sort of understated ways by the time this episode is over. Um, they have an exchange hmm. here that I think pretty much sort of sums up everything, I, I feel like, for, the, for these two characters where they're talking about, they're sort of having that breath of air in Jim's office. And there's like, how are you holding up right now? Like scale of one to 10, how are you? And Jim says, four. Oh, what are you usually? Yeah. A six. How about you? And he's like, usually I'm a 10, but I feel like a zero. <laughs> and i think All that's exactly what michael is he's either a 10 he's knocking it out of the park definitely or he's burning the office down and jim is just six to right. four that's his range that's yeah he always yeah. stays there very um, interesting yeah that that's that's sums it up for me
3: definitely and then and then of course you know we get jim saying look you know it, he the, he decides that the raises are going to go to the sales people and he says, "Look, you're all adults. I'm just trying to level with you, and that is ter- offensive to the office." And then we get, and then we get Jim being like, "Well, let's just rewind." <laughs> and Michael just cracks Michael up,
2: and and the, Pam Pam does a little cringy like look at Jim, and it's yeah. just, just like it's like watching this car wreck in slow motion. He's like, "I can't believe you're doing this, man," and it's because right. like. Jim has felt like he's been treated like a child by Michael for years. And so he has this Mm -hmm. first chance to be like, you guys are adults. Here's the deal. Here's how Michael should have been doing it this whole way. And lo and behold, people react the way he doesn't think. And he's immediately doesn't know what to do. Mm
0: -hmm. I I think too, what we get is uh, Jim being uh, subject to kind of the worst sort of barbs or uh, backlash from Oscar, Stanley, Phyllis, the rest of the crew. I think... (laughs) You get it. Obviously, you get it here, but in, uh, I'm thinking of in season five, of business ethics, when uh, Holly is delivering the meeting out of the binder, and she says, "Can anyone think of any over-the-line time wasters?" And I think uh, and Stanley says, "This meeting," and Andy goes, "Hey, yeah. Michael pulls her aside and he says, "You can't set him up like that." Yeah, so there is an element that like you're you're speaking to this group of people that's going to pounce on your every word. Yep,
3: right, and nobody knows better than Michael. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but anyways, we kind of get after this, Michael is you know feels a little empathetic towards Jim. Um, they both um, they both uh, hunker down in Jim's office with uh, with Jim's new uh, best boss ever mug uh, and <laughs> full of gin. Um, and uh, and we kind of get them uh, maybe realizing that you know maybe Michael realizing that this wouldn't be so bad having to share, you know, I, I think he say, it says it to him. You know, I used to have to mm-hmm. do this part a lot. Right.
0: Yeah, that's solidarity. It was the yeah. worst.
3: Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but also Jim maybe appreciating Michael more and realizing just how difficult his his job really is.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So, so uh, yeah, I think that uh, by the time we move into... Well, after this, we've got Niagara and a few other episodes. But by the time we move to The Lover, episode seven... Michael and Jim are kind of working well together at the beginning of this episode.
2: Yeah, they sort of find the role and they find the way they they work together. And we start to see them. Uh, Michael going out on his own. Jim wants to go out on his own. That doesn't quite happen until a little bit later. But yeah, they've they've sort of figured out uh, how they how they're going to operate in the office by this time.
0: What happens so much in the rest of the episodes, uh, leading up to the manager and the salesman, is the show finds a way to write one of them out of the office or out of a situation in some particular. Yeah, they way. do. So they manage to take them away from a situation where both of them have to weigh in on the same uh, on the same decision or the same topic of the same situation. Um, yeah. It's very it's very like deftly done. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it, it's good that we're not just kind of repeating the same a plot line over and over again of like the power struggle between, between Jim and Michael. Um, We get, uh, we get uh, several times where it's just uh, Jim on his own um, while Michael's out in the world. Um, But, uh, but yeah, at the start of the lover, um, Michael and Jim are kind of having this nice conversation in the break room about, you know, Michael, you know, hooking up with someone new um and he's like it's pam's mom and jim is like you know kind of being buddies with him and it's like no way well he doesn't
0: believe him yeah he doesn't believe. yeah whatever yeah Yeah. sure
3: and he's like what kind of car does he does she drive (laughs) green camry (laughs) which by the way one of my favorite bleep moments yeah (laughs) it's just
2: right away seats go all the way down
3: oh my god yeah (laughs) but yeah you can get you get a feeling for maybe like a mutual respect here at this point um well, they have a group. They have a rhythm. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yes. Yeah. They both are taking each other a little more seriously.
3: <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and th- but then also in this episode, we get Dwight bugging Jim's office. With Wait, before now. we move
2: on for that moment, just quick shout out to Toby uh, coming in to say hi to Jim. Hey, Jim. Not now, Toby. My God. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, get the hell <laughs> yeah. out of here. Get the- <laughs> yeah, what did I do?
0: <laughs> Toby is this little. There are a few little, moments like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: We just I shoot
0: away. Yeah. Now really,
3: Toby, my God. <laughs> I really do love Jim's freak out. Like they take a different way home, man. <laughs> yeah, <yes. laughs> and do, uh, and Michael saying, okay,
0: geez. We do get to see some different reactions from Jim through this whole process where yes, he, his relation to Michael and never, ever tell Pam. So, and then if you think later in, uh, in double date, when Michael is trying to get Jim to come in at the last second, and Jim, I kind of understand her reasoning. <laughs> I don't agree with her decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, a, diff- I, a different take from Jim, for sure,
3: for sure. And, and so, so an overwhelming episode for Jim. He's got to, he's got to uh, try to keep the peace between Pam and Michael, and not let this thing explode um, in the office, which it does. Uh, and then also dealing with Dwight trying, trying to sabotage him, trying to. Um, Put a put a listening device in his office, um, which is also hysterical. I, you know, you get Jim writing the piece of paper saying, "Dwight picked the wrong day um, to put a mallard in my office."
0: <laughs> we did we did talk a little bit about Dwight during the Dwight's uh, Dwight undercover or Dwight scheming episode from a few Yeah-huh, weeks back. Uh-huh. Um, we definitely wanted to focus on Jim for a little bit more for this arc, but this is definitely um, one of the times for Dwight where he's at his most confident and capable without being too threatening or sad you know what i mean which is to say that like there is a threat but it's not a super serious threat it's a long-term plan and that moment where he looks dead in the camera and holding the holding the pen you didn't think i'd leave my listening device in a wooden mallard did you not <laughs> an idiot. There's something I'm very, not insane. There's something very sinister about that where that early Dwight would not be able to do something like that. Yeah, yeah. he
2: does. He graduates to a much more uh the, the audience can't count on Dwight to be who he's been the whole show anymore. It's like to Dwight, a black
0: belt would you say? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> Dwight Dwight has gone up a level in terms of his scheming and you now really have no idea what's going on with him.
0: The an uh, amazing Creed moment where Jim plays Andy the Aria. Just gonna say that and uh, Creed tears up in the office. <laughs>
3: just a great little moment. I love that Andy's like this. Aria is garbage. Like, yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> he it th- that is one interesting part rewatching this where I'm like, did did Jim know that Andy wasn't gonna like the Aria? Because then he walks out of the office and Dwight's like, what was that about? And Andy goes, you do not want to know.
0: It's a surprise birthday
3: right mm-hmm. right right
0: that's it right it would only make you mad trust it me would only- <laughs> it would only
2: make you mad and they're yeah. pointing at him and gesturing and <laughs> yeah, boy, yeah it's freaking out
3: yeah um but uh but yeah i love that whole bit any any other moments from uh from the lover
2: well we we find out that Dunner methlin has a paper mill in peru and <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was yeah. a hit job <laughs> yeah if you read the dunder Mifflin that- press release it clearly states they had absolutely nothing to do with that particular cancer cluster
3: <laughs> cancer cluster <laughs>
0: before goodness. we move on to the next episode a pattern of disrespect and inappropriate behavior. There That's you go. The Thank, phrase. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. My friend Pat took a turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my friend in a pro bought a Prius with his behind neighbor. Does this mm-hmm. help you? Yeah. <laughs> really? But anyway, but anyway, let's move on to
3: what Koi pond, koi pond season six, episode eight. Um, we get, uh, we get Michael trying to micro co-manage Jim. <laughs> I love that whole part where he's like trying to get him to wear a different, watch. He's like, these people care about style. You're trying to sell success. Jim's like, and paper.
2: Yeah, and, and he's um, like, yeah, what are you going to call him? Dave. No, what's his name? Dave. It's Mr. Bouchard. They're very formal. Like, <laughs> we do we do see Michael's definitely micromanaging, but I, watching this again, I was like, oh, Michael's coming across actually really competent. Like, mm-hmm. if I was in Jim's position, it would be like, well, you, maybe you haven't gone on this level of a sales call in person mm-hmm. and trust Michael because Michael obviously has these relationships with people. Uh, it's a tankard watch. I highly recommend nice. you wear that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, he, but I think it's it almost makes sense with Michael's like it's not about the it's not about the paper. Like this is mm. about this relationship, and I think that's probably true. You know, at, at a certain corporate level, when you're doing that kind of thing, we um, do
0: get to see um, at the end of the episode as well, where Jim says, "Maybe I'll never be as good a salesman as you, but at least I need a shot." And Michael has that moment where he says, Jim is jealous of me. Jim yeah, is jealous, jealous of me? me. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. moment of recognition is so is so pure from Michael. Yeah. I wish he'd fall in the koi pond. Then he'd have to wear one of my suits. Be too short on him. I look amazing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love this episode, too, be- just because of the way they play with the, – the, there's a couple of twists and turns where you think that Jim is protecting Michael by – trying to keep everybody from watching the security footage. But then you realize that Jim's really looking out for himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want everyone to see him dodging, um, dodging Michael as he falls. And I think, I think that Jim knows that, right? Oh, he knows. Oh he knows,
0: yeah. Yeah.
3: So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it just is uh, interesting. You know, Jim's still looking out for himself, right? Oh yeah. It
2: could only be you. <laughs> it's funny because by the end of that you know when jim was like look i wanted to go on my own anyway right and it wasn't actually that michael forced himself to go it's that the client asked michael to be there that's true mm-hmm. um so this is like there's just still growing pains you know this far into this arc even of just like well jim you're not really the man. people still don't see jim as the manager
0: there is a uh there is a unique development where at the beginning of this arc, we see Mike or Jim try to stop all these conference room meetings. Mm-hmm. And Michael responds by having a meeting in his office. <laughs> one of right. each. Uh, yeah, one <laughs> of each. What do we see as this evolves is that Jim doesn't Stanley, really. What's the last
2: thing Michael said before I came in here? <laughs> if you don't smell this, back? you're fired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. But what we see from Jim is he just presides over the nonsense to some extent. So when this yeah. Koi Pong meeting is happening, Jim is there, but he's not um, But he's not stepping in to stop it. When Dwight gives his annual demonstration of this year martial arts, Jim just sips his coffee and lets it play out. When mm-hmm. Recyclops happens, uh, Jim just watches. Mm-hmm. And so there's an element of Jim just kind of presiding over the nonsense that is the office without really trying to impose his will on it, which I think is really interesting considering how much he tries to stop out conference room meetings at the beginning of the arc. And then at the end of the show, when Dwight comes up with his no-nonsense policy. (laughs) I don't know I mean, anything else about Koi Pond before we move on to uh, Double Date? We do get the element of Jim trying to teach Michael how to make fun of himself. Mm -hmm. And it starts out so great. Kids (laughs) in high school still call me Ponytail from the time I got my ponytail stuck in a power drill. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. or God, uh, he's. What, like, a great, also, what a great image! Of oh man. <laughs> I also fell into the fountain at the Steamtown Mall. <laughs> yeah. Fell into the singing fountain? Did you just kick me out of the meeting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I'll wait! I good. haven't finished writing it yet. Did you sneeze it off?
5: <laughs> uh, uh,
2: another moment from Koi Pond that, that I don't know if this happens to you guys, but moments where I've never laughed before, and I just I laughed for the first time in a moment because I had I don't know if I hadn't noticed mm-hmm. it or something. It's near the end of it when Meredith and Oscar are walking out of the kitchen and they're making fun of him. And Oscar's like, Jim, I think I'm in your way. And he does the little Whoa. thing. Yeah. And Michael's just sitting there and he just goes, Oscar's a douche.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's
2: true. <laughs> I do love that it's part. It's such a funny part. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> ah, no, he's all right. Yeah and the
0: the moment in this arc that and I think I I don't remember exactly where it is I want to say it's in murder uh, that made me laugh in a way that I had kind of forgotten about or was not expecting was when Michael gets up and leaves a meeting and Dwight gets up to follow him and says he needs me see so save time's infinity yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anyway murder yeah I mean a double date is episode nine I don't I don't
3: know if there's t- a ton there I mean you just it's kind of a little bit more of Jim just trying to be the one to keep the peace. Um, but, uh, but moving on to there, yeah. well,
0: there's an element of Jim and Pam, Jim, Jim and Pam, Jim and Michael, both being written out of the office. So Dwight mm-hmm. can kind of make his play for everyone's attention by doing favors. Uh, um, yeah, that, yeah. But just that element of that. You write them in, you write them out. So the different things can happen at the office as they need to. But anyway, let's move on to murder. Uh,
3: yeah. Murder episode 10. Uh, we get, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I love to this, uh, this idea that we've kind of skipped over a few, um, uh situations between Jim and Michael you get tube city (laughs) which is uh Michael building tubes all over the office so the hamsters can (laughs) I love my my um my home wi-fi network is just called tube city Um... (laughs) (laughs) but uh 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 I, I love that yeah you get Jim saying you know Being co-managers is a give-and-take, you know, and one of the situations that I had to, uh, you know, uh, I I, I, I don't have the line in front of me, but yeah, he owes Michael one.
0: I give, Um, he takes.
3: (laughs) Yee. Um, So as everyone is learning that Dunder Mifflin may be going bankrupt, Michael tries to distract the group with uh, his murder mystery game.
2: Very much a calm before the storm um and it's in the background is simmering this whole time of like wait what what is this news and it even early on we get the whole thing where they can't finish the wall street journal article oh you mean the wall the wall i
0: love that (laughs) by now you've all seen the article in the journal journal
2: i just want to stress that it's all conjecture if there's any concrete news you'll know asap aaron do we have the journal your feelings journal you told me to put it in the time capsule (laughs) (laughs) did you (laughs) michael he means the wall street
0: journal oh the wall amazing amazing stuff you're gonna have to be more specific, Dwight. I get like 80 meals a day. Or, uh, yeah. Also, uh, in this in this time, peak Michael and Aaron. Yeah.
3: so definitely. great. Definitely. Uh, yeah,
0: Aaron at her just kind of earnest uh, best, uh, and and Michael <laughs> just at he's engaging so much with with the reception. It's like is it he when, gets that dynamic? Yeah. Is it when Michael gets the?
2: What's the moment where he's, Michael's in his office? It might be when he gets the rum with the parrot on it yeah and there's just a shot of aaron and she does like a kind of slides out of frame in the back yeah he he (laughs) holds it up to show aaron she goes fun (laughs) (laughs) that that is so the way she moves out of frame is so funny
3: that must be Um, during the the lover that's what jim and pam bring ah coco leche yeah yeah
0: and then she does the thing where she pushes it back at pam oh (laughs)
3: like she kind
0: of is like let's take that she asks. she asked michael if he if she can put it out and michael says yeah thanks for asking (laughs) (laughs) yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, they appreciate each other so much yeah, really yeah that's do. right
3: yeah. um uh, but in this episode murder uh, besides just dozens of hysterical moments one of my favorite episodes um you get jim and michael um or, or jim's uh revelation that they are sort of the two parents in the office and you know if you're on a on a life raft with your kids you know, one parent can you know focus on the serious issues, and one parent can distract the kids. Um, so that's kind of how he justifies what what Michael's doing with the murder mystery game.
2: Which is funny because um, Jim's supposed to be day to day, and Michael's supposed to be big picture. Very true. That's yeah. what is here.
3: Yes, sure. <laughs> it, it, they never seem to really fall into that um, that those no. exact roles. No. But um, but uh, but yeah, I'm just pooping. You know how I'm being. <laughs> But yeah, you get, again, Jim realizing that maybe Michael knows more than than he gets some credit for.
2: You mean in terms of just making the play of like, look, we need to just like keep this going until we know for sure. So we don't like freak people out because everyone's livelihoods feels like they're at stake here. And everyone's like, this isn't like uh, there's going to be layoffs. This is this company might be done, deleted over. And yeah. um, everyone's sort of wrestling with
0: that. Do you know what's um, hilarious when you say yeah. it's about their livelihood? It, it makes so in the the promotion or no it's the uh yeah in the promotion when they're going back and forth about the raises mm-hmm. they go into one of the our offices or the conference room to regroup and Phyllis says this isn't a game you know this is our livelihood yeah yeah and now if you look at murder like oh this isn't their livelihood they're focused on it's a game right mm. right <laughs> oh,
3: Phyllis called out mm-hmm. well that's because they weren't being distracted and so <laughs> they were able to uh mad at jim and michael instead um, yeah. I mean, any, anything else in murder? I mean, in terms of the development of of, of this story arc or Jim? Um, just a great little exchange here when uh,
2: Jim says, listen, Wall said these were just rumors. We have no reason to think the company is anything but fine. So if we just go along with our work, you and me, they'll follow along. Monkey uh-huh. see, monkey do. That's it. Monkey pee all over you. <laughs> the way Jim just goes, that rhymes. So what do we have in yeah. the docket today? <laughs> that rhymes
0: (laughs) there yeah and then we get the call between jim and david wallace where david wallace is pretty up front where he just says we expect to be completely out of money by the end of the year insolvent Mm. and then jim responds by saying all right well i'd like to pitch you on uh run this pitch by you for a chain of grocery stores something like Mm -hmm. that jim's response to everything is to work like on what's immediately ahead of him he doesn't Mm. even see the big picture so to speak that the company's running out of money like he's still focused on the Mm day-to-day like and it's something interesting that jim has to kind of learn a lesson a little bit um Mm. to think a little bit bigger
2: Mm. great quote from michael too games have the power to distract people from stressful situations battleship (laughs) got me through my parents divorce operation (laughs) got through through my vasectomy
3: i.e my operation Yeah, so there you go so um yeah moving on to uh the shareholders meeting episode 11 um we get again just like everyone was saying you get um michael is leaving to go to the shareholders meeting um something that he's very excited about um and we get uh and we get jim staying behind um and uh and this is the I'm, – now I'm, now I'm mixing up this one and, and Scott's Tots. We have uh, – oh, Jim is being undermined by Ryan in this episode. Yeah,
0: yeah. This, this, I was so surprised looking back on this one that Jim didn't want to go to New York in any sort of way. You would think right. that he would want to have some more face time with the execs. Uh, yep. granted, or maybe maybe Jim had the foresight to know that this was going to be a pretty bad meeting yeah. um, and that it was not the moment to show yourself to your shareholders. Um, but I thought the moment where Michael – uh, and you and you and you and you and the guy says car seats eight, and <laughs> my, he says the limo uh, seats eight. Yeah, Michael says Jim and Pam and Ryan plus a guest, and uh, Jim and Pam are like, no, nope, we're good. And then Ryan says, I'll use it when you're done. But Jim and Pam just immediately opt out. They don't even think about going. Right. Uh, but it does create that situation um, where they're split again.
3: It does make you think about how Jim ha- was the one who had that conversation with David, knowing yeah. mm-hmm. knowing just how bad things are. And whereas Michael was distracted all day, (laughs) so maybe he doesn't know what what Jim knows going into this
2: much in the same way that I think Michael let Jim walk into messing up the raise situation. I feel that maybe Jim is like, I'll let Michael go to New York and deal with this. Like Mm -hmm. Michael's been there longer. I don't really want to see what's going. I don't want to be at the shareholder meeting at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And
0: that's certainly how it shakes out what a perfect flip too between this and scott's tots where michael is brought into a hopeless negative situation with a bunch of people who are going to boo them and he is he finds himself charged with uh bringing hope yes browsing you know, <laughs> the crowd yes. versus scott's tots where he's moving into this incredibly negative situation that he's created with these people who are so hopeful and he yeah. has to be the bearer of bad news yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay no back-to-back episodes
3: back-to-back yeah for sure yeah um Yeah, and then but we get Jim back at the office. Um, Ryan is telling people that uh, Jim can't fire anyone, and there's that great moment, too, where Jim and Pam are talking in his office, and Jim's like, I don't even know if I actually can fire anyone. Um, So he has to figure out how to, you know, assume control if everybody doesn't think that he has any power, Um, which he handles very nicely by stuffing Ryan in a closet. Yeah. A, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead no, Alex. no,
0: that's I was just agreeing. There's a fantastic exchange where Jim and Pam are looking through the window in the kitchen back at Ryan, and Jim says, "I have to do something. I have to make an example of him." Right, right, right. And, and He talks about, "I don't even know if I can fire him." Yeah. Or, uh, or maybe Pam poses the question, and Jim says, "I don't know." Yeah. Um, and he says, "At least I can yell at him." And Pam says, "You don't yell." He says. <laughs> I did when I found the car at the end of apple picking day. She's like, well, that was more of an exclaim. And he's like, "Well, that was I was excited to find the car. Perfect end yeah. to a perfect day." <laughs> That's right. And you picking. know what? Like, I think that sort of moment between them is what felt so absent in season nine. We talk about how okay, kind of hopeless those mm-hmm. exchanges felt like jim and pam as a couple can still have sweet moments together that are very endearing with them together um but it was so absent in season nine i don't mean to make this about that but it it felt like a moment that was lacking kind of maybe later in the show Mm -hmm. um but anyway i thought the other thing too is uh the way that he puts Ryan in the closet reminds me a lot of when uh, michael puts him back with kelly in the annex
3: yeah totally (laughs) yeah
2: genius it's punishment Mm -hmm. uh we we also get in in shareholder meaning we see just a when when Phyllis comes back uh, drunk from lunch, oh yeah, oh and yeah. Jim Jim tries to kind of flex his power, and it's like Michael's not here. This is like Jim is trying to assert himself as boss. You take and and even at lunch. this point, yeah, we're still getting Stanley and Phyllis are really not taking him serious. As, as Stanley said, or Jim says, "I care about them, and I'm just as much of a boss as Michael." And Stanley kind of snickers at him. What's so funny? I'm a co-manager. That doesn't make you a boss, which is sort of sort of mm. at the root of how people see. Jim mm-hmm. it, it be, it be, and it would it would be hard to see Jim as a boss because he's been such a goofy cohort this whole time right um and uh Jim's like who, who told you this Ryan sorry plastered that's what Phyllis <laughs> <laughs> <just, laughs> like, points it out yeah uh and it uh is, yeah
0: it is true that by elevating Jim you throw off the sort of chain of command or the the org, org chart within the office it really destroys Dwight's power chart the mm. I created for did I stutter mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also too I think this is Jim you know using his you see a little bit of prankster Jim here yeah right it, it seems like he's sort of adapting he's like he's realizing that um, that uh, that uh, yeah he can be creative um, in this role and uh, and and that'll be uh, his strength. Especially when dealing with with somebody like Ryan, um, but yeah, moving on to Scott's Tots, episode twelve. Again, we get Michael out of the office, um, going to visit the Tots, uh, and instead now we get Dwight messing with Jim again. This is his a this is his um, employee of the month scheme.
0: What a fantastic uh, <laughs> plot from Dwight! Yeah um we had someone reach out i'm uh, i don't have the message right in front of me or right at hand about how they love scott's tots because of the of this particular arc and i or this particular uh b storyline uh and i mm-hmm. think it's a great call out some people avoid this episode altogether which i think right. is crazy but uh <laughs> but i love i love it's 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 similarly cringeworthy to have jim in this terrible situation Definitely. I,
2: yeah. I, we're definitely going to do a Scott's tots episode at some oh, point. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we we'll probably won't talk too much about We don't have to dig too deep. And, yeah.
3: But, uh, but yeah, again, you get, uh, you get Dwight. Actually, I just, I just will say it's a successful scheme by Dwight. Right. For the most part, he succeeds in making Jim look, uh, look like an idiot or look like he's, you know, really selfish and um, kind of turning everyone in the office against him. Unfortunately, uh, he, Dwight is not able to convince David Wallace. David Wallace and Jim just have too tight of a bond, it seems. Even you get you get David calling Jim and yelling at him, and then uh, and then being like, oh, "I'm sorry, you know, I don't mean to take this out on you." <laughs> like,
0: or something right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> He's like, "You guys come over again, we'll have some dinner." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, um, so yeah. Dwight uh, is
0: unsuccessful there. Um, my uh, my favorite character in this episode is Andy. Oh. The real success from Dwight comes by getting Andy to say that it was his idea. Yeah. And Andy mm-hmm. kicks off the episode with such a great little performance from Ed Helms, where he comes in, he goes, "Doctor Tuna, M.D." The entire office has come down with a pernicious case of the Mondays, yeah. and he gives <laughs> the whole pitch for Employee of the Month. And then he sits down in the chair, and Jim goes, Do "You got anything else?" And Andy just sits down and goes, "Nope." Gets right back up and leaves. <laughs> And then he, the way that he, so sp- good. The way that he spins into the hallway, and he says, "Jim loved your idea, or loved our <laughs> idea," and Dwight says, "Your, your idea, yeah,
3: my, my idea." idea. Yeah. So, anyway,
0: Andy, Andy is great in that episode. That man. is,
3: yeah, he's spectacular in that role as a pawn for Dwight in his uh, in his grand scheme. Oh,
2: another quick Andy moment when the Michael, this back in shareholder meeting, Michael's practicing mm-hmm. his spin move. And- oh yeah. Uh, Andy does the, uh, Michael, uh, he, he does the whole uh, announcement <laughs> and then everyone's like, don't do the spin. Don't like hate the, spin. the twirl." and then hate the twirl. And he's turning in his chair. <laughs> <laughs> I call the
0: machine.
3: Scott. But, <laughs> Scott.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, after Scott's tots, we've got secret Santa where, uh, you know, Jim is allowing Phyllis to be Santa. That's kind of mm-hmm. like maybe the only real power struggle between Michael and Michael. And Jim, this episode does feel a bit more uh problems, um, but at the end, so we learned that you know David Wallace and Alan Brand, uh, the CEO, um, are going to be let go, and uh, and no one really knows what's going to happen. That takes us into the Banker, which is just a clip show, um, and then uh, and then we're moving into uh, Saber, uh, episode fifteen, and uh, and. Um, uh, manager and salesman episode 16 where joe bennett realizes that these guys are both co-managers and we'll have to do something about that
2: yeah man thank you pam
0: we've done the whole <laughs>
2: uh you know we've done the episode on the saber arc but to me i think i, I at least i think we could probably just go straight to the manager and the salesman because that's really Definitely. what this all comes this whole arc just sort of comes down to this yeah. and uh it's funny that we spent so much time talking about the corporate structure and like the money part of it at the beginning because that's essentially how it ends is it just comes down to money again uh, as far as them wanting to take their certain roles. And it's such a funny reversal of what's happening at the beginning of the season when they're sort of fighting to be demoted um, at
3: this point. Right. (laughs) Well, yeah, both of them want to be manager until they realize that um, you, there is no uh, cap on commission for sales, uh, which means that they can make a lot more money uh, as a salesman. And, and Jim's goal really is to yeah make money for his family. He doesn't really care about the power as much. And I think it's interesting the way this episode plays out, right? Michael realizes that Jim's kind of tricked him into thinking the manager position is better. Mm-hmm. Once Oscar reveals that the you know that there's no sales cap um, on commission, uh, then um, you know Michael wants the salesman job, but realizes that he can't deal with the lack of power or his own, his own office or his own errand to bring him uh, ants on a log and say, who's hungry. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta do something, man.
0: You can't just sit there.
2: (laughs) It's, it just comes down to an identity. Uh, This is, this is a crisis of identity really for Michael more than anyone who, yeah, like you said, eventually realizes that his being the manager, that's, that's a lot of what gives Michael his own self-worth and his own value. Uh, mm-hmm. Versus Jim, a lot of his self worth and his value is wrapped up in Pam and their child and the family. And therefore, right. not having a cap on their sales commissions uh, means a whole lot more to Jim than it does to Michael, um, who, you know, he, granted, Michael has a very long agreement on his condo that he's got to pay off. So that's, <laughs> he definitely <laughs> needs some money too, but it's just Michael. Um, right. So the stakes are a little lower for him.
0: You think too uh, that we've been watching this. The Dunder Mifflin corporate structures decision making become increasingly questionable uh, over this span of time. And then we see this new company come in, and Jim and Pam, or uh, Jim and Pam, excuse me, Michael uh struggles a little bit under their corporate policies, the water bottles, the blocking of websites <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but ostensibly this new company, which has is much more in much better p- shape and bought Under Mifflin, Joe Bennett comes in, immediately looks at the co-manager thing and says, uh no, we're changing that. Yeah. So, two guys doing I, the same job. Right. There, there's something really interesting about that. Um I also think yeah. Excuse me. I also think there's something interesting about the way that Jim's hair goes perfectly back to normal after Michael messes it up. Oh, because yeah, that's right. and know. it's perfectly coiffed. Yeah, yeah I know. Oh, I gosh. imagine that's always the case with Jim
2: Krasinski. Or Jim
0: the Krasinski. Moment... Well, you know,
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: the moment where Michael finds himself back in his office and order is restored, and Aaron comes in and plays bossa nova on the Casio that's so hidden amazing. under the desk. Yeah, it's <laughs> the. Du, 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 du. She does one finger dance. Finger wag. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the most heartwarming
2: or just smiley moments on the show. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh man, and it it, it to me it does feel like breath. when yeah, it feels a lot like when Michael when Charles minor he goes nope you're done and he puts his mm-hmm. leg up and he looks around and it's mm-hmm. has that same feeling of kind of like order is restored.
3: Yes, um, assumed power again.
2: But yeah, dude, Kathy Bates coming in like a wrecking ball in this episode. <laughs> Great Danes come in, they go straight for Andy's crotch, uh, <laughs> throws the coat, which Gabe catches awkwardly and yeah. is holding for a while as he introduces everybody. She's um, incredible. Just amazing. What a, what an on-screen presence she has. Um, and yeah, and and <laughs> the way Michael it tries to just go into the sort of Florida slang and just starts making it up, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, is, is, is amazing. And not really, you know, Jim doesn't exactly play that game uh, the same way, but... It's just a this is just a great. Uh, the character of Joe Bennett is just incredible to place next to Michael Scott. Hmm. Joe, there's books in
0: my chair. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, look, I mean, uh, you know, that's pretty much the entire co-manager arc. And now that we've kind of gone through the whole thing, I, I mean, what do we gain out of this story arc if if everything just kind of seemingly resets at the end of it? um did jim grow did anything change
0: i think that jim definitely grows um on one hand he has to experience some failure um to kind of get that personal growth i think he sees um to your point alex the value in building the success for himself and his family um and then it it, it's interesting the way that it sets up how Jim doesn't want to be co-manager or doesn't want to be regional manager in season seven when the job is essentially offered to him at the end. The Mm -hmm. only man who ever turned me down.
5: Uh,
0: (laughs) uh, But at the same time, his ambition is almost delayed till season nine when athlete comes up, athlete uh, comes Mm -hmm. up, and Jim takes on this bigger ambitious thing. It's interesting... You know, you juxtapose these different times with Jim and Pam going for their dreams and how much they support each other. Mm-hmm. Jim supporting Pam in art school. Uh, nominally, if Jim was going to be put up for another branch manager position or had another offer somewhere that might have involved them moving, Pam seemed okay with that. Um, but of course, in season nine, she's dead set. I'm not wanting to go to Philly. Um but anyway, um, what was your question? What did we learn about Jim? <laughs> yeah. What did we get out of this
3: story arc if, if, if at the end of it, Michael's manager and Jim's a salesman and everything seems to be basically the same?
0: I think this is the element of the show, like creating a disturbance and then resetting things and having a new the, – the new power structure, Saber, mm-hmm. is, is what's new, uh, even if the setup and the organization of the
2: office remains the same. It does. And it, it tees up so much of what happens in 7, 8, and 9. And I think primarily for Michael, what it sets up is a little bit more maturity that lets season 7 Michael eventually transition into the person who leaves on good terms with everyone and is okay with leaving the office and finds happiness with Holly. I mean, so much of that I do feel comes down to all the turmoil that he goes through here of having his job threatened for a while being demoted to a salesman and then back to manager. Um, I mean, for as much of an idiot as Michael usually is, he's scrapped and clawed his way back to the manager's job twice now. Um, And you got to imagine that must bring him some internal security and a little more maturity that he'd been lacking through the first five seasons.
0: I think too, to just kind of tag on to what you were saying, I think all great points in season four. um, We see Michael side with the company instead of Jan at the last moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in season five, we see the company kind of turn his back on Michael a little bit, um, or at least really sort of upset him in a way that causes him to quit, start the rival paper company. Um, and through this arc, by the time he gets to the end of season seven, you know the job that Michael leaves, Michael, uh, you know, on the surface is a company man through and through, Dunder Mifflin. He loves, even when the stock price is falling on the <laughs> the little <laughs> thing outside the building, Dunder Mifflin. Uh, <laughs> It, it, when Michael leaves in season seven, like what job is he actually leaving? It doesn't exist. Mm. They sell printers. Mm-hmm. So it makes, it, it's an easy decision to go with Holly.
3: Right. I, I I also wanted to say too, that I just think that, you know, I think about the episode, Goodbye Michael, when you get Jim's kind of heartfelt speech to uh, Michael, um, you know, saying Uh, You know what I think we should do? I think we should, you know, save the goodbyes for tomorrow at lunch. And then tomorrow I can tell you what a great boss you turned out to be. Best boss I ever had. That line would not have felt as earned to me if it hadn't been for this arc that they went through together. And you watched Jim develop a new respect for Michael. Mm-hmm. so i I think that that is just another situation where it's like if this all hadn't happened and Jim had said that exact thing, I would have i you know you know me, I would have been like eh, like <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know but it but it does it feels it feels real because because we saw how many you know Jim over and over during this arc is like realizing just how how good at at being a manager, Michael actually is
2: yeah, and it, you know as Jim says he <laughs> he tried to make it all happen without Michael having to help. Uh, like for instance, he hung out, he had out Jello shots at Mile Twenty Three, <laughs> Steentown Mall. Mm-hmm. And then again, it happens sort of at the end when uh, Michael wants his job back. Uh, or, you know, it's, it's funny. I used to stand in here and wish I was out there. And now I'm in. Now I'm out there. I wish I wasn't here. Well, the grass is always greener. Yeah, except there's no grass out there. It's just a farty dirt patch. <laughs> After he's smelling Phyllis's perfume. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, it. the side effects of the allergy medication. She sent <laughs> an email. Yeah, email. Uh, But I I only bring that up just to be like this arc is allows Michael to just touch back into the world he's been a part of. He was a part of for so long as far as being a salesman and seeing that, like, you don't really want this life anymore. Like you Mm -hmm. you're ready. You're ready to have a family and move on. And this whole process is 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 Michael just getting reminded of sort of all the things he spent his life doing. And gives him, I think, all the motivation to really pursue a life with Holly. And it's really important for him.
0: Word. As a last little tag, when Jim puts Dwight's tie in the coffee. It's one of oh. my all-time favorite. Oh, little, yeah. it's, it's just it's just a little thumbprint. There's nothing. Yeah. There's there's no. It's just Dwight talk, uh, giving Jim a hard time out being the shortest tenured boss. And Jim just yeah. puts his tie in the coffee. Part Love of it. it. The little noise he makes, just, oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that, let's move on to conference room. Five minutes.
2: Okay, everybody, listen up. If you are not in that conference room in two minutes, I am going to kill you.
0: Before we dive into our conference room uh, voicemails for this week, we did want to mention a couple things that have popped up, uh, sort of office-related news items. Mm. One that you probably saw was uh, Leslie David Baker, the actor who plays Stanley, uh, launching a Kickstarter for Uncle Stan, a TV <laughs> show uh, that does not directly mention, but seems to be related to The Office. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think it's it's it would be fun to see him dive back into that role, um, but we'll see how that shapes up. And the other thing that we wanted to mention is um, – is of course, uh, we saw this right before we jumped on to record. Was that Brian Baumgartner uh, has announced a podcast with Spotify uh, that looks at the Office with I think a lot of the main cast and Stephen Merchant Ricky Gervais and those guys. I don't know awesome. exactly who will be on that, but uh, but something to look forward to for sure.
3: Definitely
0: more Office podcasts. You know, we're, we're yeah. leading the charge here,
3: fellas. This is great. Yeah, and uh, and we got, uh, but we have a couple of voicemails. Yeah, too. we
2: do, and and you know these are aren't really voicemails to discuss a ton. We just want to share them with you as this is also maybe a little bit of part of a COVID corner, just checking in with people and getting people's temperature on stuff. But yeah, we got a couple voicemails we really wanted to share. This first one comes from Carrie in Pittsburgh and actually has to do with Oscar and the shareholder meeting. So it does tie in with this episode.
0: There you go.
1: Hi, all. This is Carrie calling from Pittsburgh. And I have sort of a hot take, I guess, on Oscar's behavior at the shareholders meeting, which you guys discussed quite a bit during the Oscar episode and uh, not to get too deep on Oscar's podcast, but I think it's important to consider that Oscar is a minority character. And I think when you grow up as part of a marginalized community, you learn that you're often not given the benefit of the doubt in the way that others are. So I think his backing down may be less about his intrinsic character and more about a learned survival instinct. He even says, what, And lose my job? And the contrast with Andy, who has such a safety net, I think really highlights the tightrope that Oscar feels like he's walking here. Anyway, love the pod. Have a great day.
3: Perf- I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, perfectly said. I, I think that uh, that is something that we, we didn't really discuss as much, um, uh, that, that Oscar's a, a marginalized character, not, not only Mexican, but also gay. And, um, you know, he's he's probably thinking about survival more than helping this dying company in that moment.
0: Right. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, it's a really great point. I mean, especially with the Andy juxtaposition being there, encouraging him to go for it. Right. there there's definitely something there I thought that point very well articulated and you can go as deep as you want on office podcast it's yeah please. That's, uh, literally I, why we're here yeah it's okay please yeah, yeah I always th-
3: always call us with those. yeah fantastic point I don't
2: i you know i, I carry I, you didn't say how old you were but from your voice I might guess you're you're somewhat younger and it gives me hope that I mean there's this voicemails coming in with these perspectives from younger people it's really awesome uh, i love to hear it I want to play one other voice build real quick just because um it, I think it's really worth sharing.
4: Hey guys, Mike from Weirton, uh, West Virginia. I just wanted to uh, just gonna have a little more personal touch. Um, you're welcome to mention it on the air. Um, I had never watched an episode of The Office until February of this year.
0: Oh my um, gosh.
4: I struggled with a lot of addiction issues most of my life, and uh, my wife turned me on to The Office and I needed something to lose myself in. Obviously, I became very obsessed very quickly. Um, and since the pandemic has hit, I have been door-dashing. Um, so I started on the first episode of your podcast. I think I'm at like 37 or 38 now. But uh, yeah, it seems like you get a lot of calls about the show. I just wanted to let you know that you know, something important in my life and in my family's life and my recovery is listening to this podcast while I'm driving around you know, delivering food. It makes me laugh, it lights my mood. And, uh, it's the first time in a long time I've heard and found something that really captured me. Uh, it means a lot. I hope you guys keep doing it and uh, hope to hear some cool stuff soon.
3: Thanks, Mike. That's awesome, man. Thank that's you so awesome. much, yeah, thank, dude. Wow. I mean, that, yeah, means a lot. Like we get like calls like that every once in a while, and it just means it, it just means the world to us. I mean, you know.
2: Yeah, and I think I think I I, I don't think we play them to to tutor own horn, but it's <laughs> it's more to play of just representing the the community of the office. And sure, while it seems silly that we do a podcast like this during these times, and it's like well. Does the world need this? It's totally sometimes it's not about does the world need this, but to hear that, that it doesn't necessarily have to do about the office. It could just be connecting to something and being part of a community. And that really uh, it's like wind beneath our wings. And it's yes, yeah. we, we really love hearing that. So thanks, Mike, for calling in and
3: letting yeah. us know that. I mean, it really, I mean, honestly, like, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah, it can get t- it can get tough to, you know stay focused on this and get excited about this. And then you get a call like that or a message like that. And it just immediately reminds us what, you know, why we wanted to do it in the first place. So, mm-hmm. so it just appreciated. Thanks Mike. We, and uh you're doing great, man. <laughs> doing great. yeah. <laughs> Anyone really living truly. in West
2: Virginia. Yeah. Hit that door dash. The Download office is
0: DoorDash. a place it's where dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, um, what do you say guys, you want to move on into some trivia? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's go let's just
4: do our thing collect our hardware and get the hell home
3: okay so uh this trivia this week comes from molly um uh, thank you so much molly for submitting this uh, she did a great job i love when people send the trivia this way she writes the answers in white font so um that's very very good formatting oh, thank you yeah. for doing oh, that that is great yeah um, sean i know uh, you
2: appreciate a good format more than just oh, about anyone i know it's a very
3: well formatted email there's even you know she's using a bold text and <laughs> it's brilliant um but let's dive right in uh what are the names of jim's siblings pete and tom pete and tom okay. there is oh, one and, more. uh larissa yes that's right oh right Ooh. that's for the sister nice all right uh in The Convict, uh, season three, episode nine, what kind of cigar does Andy suggest he and Pam smoke together?
0: Oh, uh, as part of like the. the... Uh, as, this is part of Jim's
3: prank to, to tell uh, Andy everything that Pam hates. Uh, is it like
0: a cigarillo or something like that? It's or like like a, a macanudo.
3: Swisher? Macanudo. 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 Wow. Smoke a wow. couple of macanudos. <laughs> um (laughs) season four episode two dunder mifflin i live to (laughs) froth during the conference room meeting about ageism michael has pictures up on the wall which four pictures are mentioned where's the beef yes tom hanks in big yep
0: uh man
2: why can't i think of more does he have like is Ian McClellan one of them? Or Gandalf?
3: You're so close. I mean, Patrick sort of.
2: Patrick Stewart, I don't know. So, uh, is it? Or is it, no, Dumbledore? Is it the guy who plays Dumbledore?
3: No, he plays Gandhi.
0: Oh, Ben Kingsley. Oh, Ben yes. Kingsley. That's right. <laughs> What's the fourth? That's right. Mm-hmm. The old lady
3: from Titanic.
0: Oh, oh yeah. right, right, of course. Right, he See, lists them in quick succession, and then he's yeah. like, yeah, That's yeah. Right. yeah.
3: <laughs> Season five, episode seven, customer survey. Which people are shown to have a mug from Kelly's party? Andy. hmm. Oscar. Mm hmm. Creed. Yes. Brian. Yes. And yes. Ryan and Phyllis. Yeah.
0: Mm, Meredith. Yeah. Toby. Nope. Uh, Stanley. Uh, nope.
3: All right, just name the rest
0: of the cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the only two, two left left, yeah.
3: are Angela. And I did not ever see this, but supposedly Angela's cat, Bandit. Oh, that's really? funny. Yeah. I've I think never... I think Molly's making a guess on which one she says bandit in question mark with a little question mark. Oh. But, they uh, might have they might have sold them. I remember they sold all the mugs on the NBC store. Oh, mm-hmm. that's right, that's right. Um, All right, bonus question. What does Dwight's mug say when Jim says, show me your mug?
0: No. (laughs) Lackawanna (laughs) County Sheriff. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. Lackawanna County Volunteer Sheriff. No, why? What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to assume that's it. (laughs) Season 5, Episode 8, Business Trip. What is the business that Concierge Marie tells Michael about when he is quizzing her about her knowledge? Astro Cleaners. Astro Cleaners on Facebook. Fourteenth uh, Street.
5: Fourteen? No,
2: no, no. Uh, Astro Cleaners on Saint James Place. Yes. Wow. Nice. We had this in another
0: episode. Yes, I'm, I'm just... I know it. Yeah. We're starting
3: to repeat trivia. The Huntsman, is,
0: to make sure the Huntsman that is,
3: that is the bar. That's good. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Season five, episode amazing, 11. amazing.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Moroccan Christmas. What is the five-fingered intervention that the Shrewt family believes in?
0: Oh, the last one is punching. Yes. Uh, justice. Truth-telling.
3: No. uh, no. Neglect? No, what is it? I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awareness, education, control, acceptance, and punching. There you go. (laughs) Okay, nice. Uh, Control. Yeah. Season 5, episode 12, The Duel. When discussing Angela and Dwight's affair in Michael's office, the following exchange happens. Michael, is she crazy in bed? Dwight, yes. Michael, how so, specifically? Dwight, blank and blank. Eager and flexible. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, and, oh then
2: and then Michael goes, really? as the scene, as the, <laughs> yeah, they keep talking here. Right. Yeah.
3: All right. Season five, episode fourteen, stress relief, part one. How much does Angela weigh?
0: I only weigh one hundred and six nope. pounds. No, no, she's like eighty six pounds. Eighty six no. yeah,
2: or like ninety two. Eighty two. Eighty two. Eighty two. Okay.
0: I only weigh eighty-two, 82 pounds. pounds. Yeah, I should know that one. I feel
3: like Ryan's. Uh, Ryan always says it uh, the way that Angela says the word pounds. She's like, "I only weigh eighty-two pounds." <laughs> um, uh, season five, episode fifteen, stress relief part two. Jim, you are it blank. Like
5: popcorn.
3: <laughs> Jim, you are blank, and you weigh blank. Gumby has a better body than you. Boom oh, you're roasted. six foot six. You weigh 185 pounds. Uh, you, you're six foot 11 and you oh. weigh 90 pounds.
0: Oh, OK. 185 pounders, yeah. And, right. you know, and you know what else? And six foot six from the University of yes. North Carolina. Oh, yeah, there oh, you go, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, we're mixing quotes, yeah. <laughs> All
3: right. What is the order of the boom roasted jokes, the, oh. the people? This is a, this is a very Whoa. tough question.
0: OK, so the last one is Stanley.
2: Um, no, no, Andy, because no. Andy's after Stanley. That's okay.
3: correct. Andy is last.
0: First one is Jim. Jim, yeah. Angela? No, it goes uh, Jim, next Pam?
3: Is, uh, Jim, Dwight.
2: Oh, Jim, and Dwight. Pam. And Pam?
3: Mm-hmm. Failed art school. Mm-hmm.
2: Angela? Uh, didn't see you there uh, behind that granite rice. We got Jim. No, Kevin. Dwight. I don't know whether to make a fat joke or a dumb joke. <laughs> Boom, roasted.
3: Uh, we skipped Meredith. So Jim, Dwight, <sighs> Pam, Meredith, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Cam okay. Meredith, as you've
2: slept with so many guys, you're starting to look like one. Yeah, yeah. Um, roasted.
3: It's uh, it's Jim, Dwight, Pam, Meredith, Kevin, Creed, Angela, Stanley, Oscar, Andy. Wow. Okay. As a bonus, can you name all the insults? I don't know if we have time, but (laughs) we already got uh, most of them there. I think you guys did pretty good. So, season five, episode 24, heavy competition. When Dwight strips down to show Michael that he isn't wearing a wire, love that. So much. What what color are his underpants? Dark green. Yes.
0: Correct. Green.
3: Uh, season seven, episode one: Nepotism. When and where did Michael lose Luke as a child? When? In a forest. Yeah, in a forest. Mm-hmm. Yes, but when?
0: When is a specific the, day? The premiere of Ace Ventura Pet Two.
3: Yes, the opening wow. day of Ace Ventura Two, which uh, which she points out is about fifteen years before that. Um, season seven, episode five: The Sting. Question. What name does Meredith call Oscar and Ryan when they enter the room to interrupt her and Danny? So she's es,
0: what is Esteban? Yes. Uh, and Manuel. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Season seven. This is the last question.
3: Season seven, uh, episode eight, Viewing Party at Gabe's apartment. What song in Glee does the group miss when Jim switches channels to check the score?
0: They sank blinded by the light, and blinded they used the an light. actual yes. blind guy. <laughs> yes,
3: there it is. All right, cool. Hey, that's awesome. Thank you uh, so much, Molly, for sending that in as a spectacular trivia. And uh, you yeah, know, as, as always, please uh, please send us your your own trivia. Um, How can could they I, do that, Sean? How think <laughs> they send it <that> to us. <laughs> Man, I uh okay here we go uh you can email us company at gmail.com and you can always call us and leave us a message 503-694-9314 we're on facebook and instagram michael scott podcast company we're on twitter at michael scott pod we have a website michael scott pod.com and we're on patreon patreon.com michael scott special thanks to ryan lloyd who helps us with our social media and our artwork um, and, uh, and special thanks to all our Patreon subscribers, our Scott's Tots. And you can become a Scott to- Scott's Tot for five bucks a month. You'll get an extra mailbag episode every month. And, and, uh, and uh, now we're, we're getting on Patreon and, and hanging out with, with those guys more lately. So, uh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's, we'll we'll uh, put
2: in some a- videos. We'll put video uh, of the podcast. We'll be getting those up there
0: eventually. And you'll have access to that as well. If you yes, like that uh, yeah. guitar video that I did last week in lieu of an episode, oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I uh I can do a couple others. I was thinking I'd do um the song Andy plays at the end of um, season nine and maybe There's the song that or the song that Creed plays in the finale. That's what I'll I be thinking. doing. Or, recorder. Oh, nice.
2: I'll
3: be doing green sleeves tutorial on recorder. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and if anyone missed it um, on Instagram, uh, you can go check out a little tutorial video that Edwin did where he teaches you how to play. Um, the opening song from our podcast mm-hmm. um so yeah that's uh, that's super cool
0: um guys thanks as always for listening thank you for listening uh, as always we appreciate every single one of you uh take care be safe and we'll see you next week pippity poppy give me the zaba. Yes, yes sir,
5: sir.